Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. This one is episode number 220 and it is called A Cup of Tea with Corneliu Dragomirescu, also known as the Son of the Dragon Tamer or the guy with the longest name ever on Luke's English Podcast. This is one of those episodes in which I invite a friend onto the podcast and we just kind of chat about various things. I like these episodes because it gives me a chance to get to know someone on the podcast and I feel like I'm an interviewer. And you can listen to some natural, free-flowing conversation in English. Let me tell you a little bit about Corneliu. He is a filmmaker and comedian, originally from Romania. He lives in France now, where he writes, directs, produces, and acts in films and television projects. Uh, Corneliu is a polyglot, which means he speaks a number of languages, um, including Romanian, French, and English. He's a movie buff, which just means that he loves films, and he knows lots of stuff about movies and films and things. What's the difference between a film and a movie, Luke? Um, well, they're the same thing, all right? A movie is just American English, film is, is British English. Some people might uh, say that, uh, that we use the word film in a more serious way, and movie refers to the more kind of Hollywood popcorn kind of thing, you know, the sort of film you watch when you eat loads of popcorn on a Saturday night, just sort of frivolous entertainment. Um, but really, it's British and American English, although um, lots of British people say movie as well now. For me, a movie is a kind of popcorn film, and a film is slightly more serious. Anyway, they're quite interchangeable. So, Corneliu is a bit of a movie buff. He knows lots about movies and films, and uh, he loves talking about it. And he's an all-round great conversationalist, and therefore, he's the perfect guest for another episode of Luke's English Podcast. Corneliu also has the longest name of anyone ever to appear on Luke's English Podcast so far, I think. Um, his name, that's his first name and his surname, but not including his middle names, just the first name and the surname, that has nine syllables in it, Corneliu Dragomirescu. And as far as I know, that is the longest name so far on the podcast. Not that it's a competition or anything. I mean, it's, that's not the purpose of Luke's English Podcast. We're not here to just find the guy with the longest name. No, but still, it is an achievement of sorts. Speaking of competitions, by the way, thank you very much for voting for your favourite recordings in the Your English Podcast series, um, episodes 211 to 218. I'm getting votes all the time. Um, voting closes at midnight Paris time on the 30th of September this year. That's 2014, just in case you'd forgotten what year it was. Or maybe you're listening in 2015, that's quite possible. In which case, sorry, the voting is closed. Um, but it, it closes at the end of September 2014. And then I will count the votes and announce the winners 
That's right, winners, S, with a plural there. I've decided that there will be a winner from each episode, okay? That's just how I roll. That's how I do things. I call the shots here at Luke's English Podcast. I've decided that because there were so many entries, um, I, I feel like it almost like it would be a little unfair to just have one person. Um, so because there were eight uh, episodes, I'm going to choose a winner from each episode and they'll be featured in some kind of interview situation in the, in the future uh, where I'll have a chance to find out a little bit more um, in conversation with those winners from from those episodes, okay? Um, Also, if you were wondering about how I will be counting votes, um, and if I can prevent people voting for themselves again and again, well, I can see unique codes for every person who comments. Um, So I know when comments are coming from the same computer again and again, all right? So I'm not going to count votes which are obviously repeated votes from the same person on the same computer. It might be possible that some people are sending votes from the same computer or the same uh, the same internet connection, because they're members of a family or members of a company or students in a school. Um, but I'm keeping an eye on the, the where the votes are coming from, all right? So if I see repeated votes that are obviously from the same person, then they, they won't all be counted. Um, sometimes people vote more than once by accident because they uh, type their comment, um, enter the comment, and it doesn't appear immediately. It has to be um, approved by me. So sometimes people will vote and they'll think, why didn't it work? And they do it again. Um, in that case, I consider those to be accidental repeated votes and I don't count them all. They're just one. Um, so if you're worried about all, all of that kind of thing, like people voting again and again for themselves, then you can put your mind at rest because I'm keeping an eye on it um, and uh, it's not going to be an issue. Okay, so if you had been thinking about that, don't worry. Everything's under control. Thank you, too, if you left a comment on my last episode, which was all about Scottish independence. It was quite a popular one in terms of uh, responses and comments. It's great to see that lots of people are interested in this subject. And uh, it's also interesting to see that uh, many people um, are observing parallels Uh, with the situations in their countries too, in some cases. Uh, The referendum is going to take place tomorrow uh, in Scotland, and we are all waiting with bated breath to see what happens. Will Scotland leave the Union? Is the UK as we know it going to change forever? Uh, Will Scotland uh, and the Scottish people make the right decision? Only time will tell. Um, I expect that by the time you're listening to this, the referendum will have been decided, and you'll know... But as I'm recording this, I don't know, and it's very exciting to wait and see what's going to happen. Now, let's get back to this episode. Cornelius is an awesome bloke with a proficient level of English, and I'm, I'm really happy to have him on the podcast. I invited him into the flat and onto the podcast with the intention of asking him some of the usual questions, you know, such as what do you do? How did you manage to learn English to your current level? Could you tell us about the common myths around your home country? And we ended up chatting for something like two hours and got sidetracked by all kinds of interesting things, including um, including films, um, his son, the fall of communism in Romania, and uh, things like 90s pop music. 
In fact, it felt like it was kind of hard to contain the inspiration in this episode. We were both quite enthusiastic about the things we were talking about, and so the conversation flowed very easily, and I hope that comes through in this episode. Um, I did say that it was two hours of conversation, so naturally I've divided this into two episodes. This is part one that you're listening to now, and part two will be uploaded soon. Sometimes I find it a little bit tricky to begin episodes of the podcast. You might not realise that, but um, kicking off an episode can be quite hard because I need to make sure that I don't ramble on too much and I keep it brief. Um, Often I have to kind of work out a little introduction, um, especially when I'm involved in a conversation. But in this episode, in this conversation with Cornelio, we'd already been chatting um, over a pot of tea for about half an hour and I just hit the record button mid-conversation. So we we just hit the ground running at the beginning of this episode. What does that phrase mean? Well, if you hit the ground running, it means that you start when you're already moving. You start something when you're already in progress. Imagine sort of hanging in the air, running, like your feet are dangling, you're running in the air, like it's a cartoon or something, and then you fall, and when you hit, hit the ground, because you're running, you immediately you immediately shoot off. So that's to hit the ground running, okay? And that's what happened in this episode. I mean, we weren't hanging in the air running like some weird psychedelic cartoon. That would be strange. No, what I'm saying is that uh, we hit the ground running in this episode because we were already deep in conversation and I just hit the record button. And that's why the episode begins quite abruptly, just in the middle of a conversation, all right? You will hear a bit of strong language at the beginning, so be prepared for that. I say the F word quite early on. What's the F word? Well, it's, well, it's, it's the word, it's the word fuck, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's quite silly for me to call it the F word, but I suppose that's just a way of referring to the word without actually saying it, because as you know, uh, this is a very rude word, which you shouldn't really use because it's not big and it's not clever. I realise that I've just used the word myself just a second ago, which kind of defeats the purpose of warning you about the word in the first place. You know, like, be careful, this episode contains some strong language, um, including sexual swear words such as fuck, uh, bollocks, uh, wanker. So be be prepared. That, you know, that may cause you offence. All right. I realise that... Um, it probably wasn't necessary to use the word in the warning, but I've done it anyway. So I actually use the word uh, in the form of a noun phrase. So I say the phrase, a, f- a fuck up. Okay, that's a noun phrase. Uh, if you make a fuck up or if you make a couple of fuck ups, it means that you make a mistake or make a couple of errors. Okay, so a fuck up is a mistake or an error. It's a noun in that case. It's a noun phrase. All right. Now, there's also a verb phrase, um, a phrasal verb, which is to fuck something up. And if you fuck something up, it means you do it badly, you make a mess of it, you make an error and ruin something. Oh, I re- you know, I've really fucked up this cake. I'm trying to cook a cake. I'm trying to bake a cake, but I think I've fucked it up. I, I put too much sugar in it, for example, and just ruined it. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? The F word, the word fuck... Let's not beat around the bush. The, the word fuck is a very versatile word. Um, it's used in loads of different ways. But remember, 
Just because you've heard me using it here on Luke's English Podcast, it doesn't mean that you should start throwing it around in everyday conversation. All right? I'm sure that you know that. I don't mean to patronise you. I'm sure that you're aware that it's a rude word, but I just felt it was necessary to say that at the beginning. Anyway, I'm going to stop uh, rambling on now, and it's time to join my conversation with my friend Cornelius. And here it is. I normally start and and uh, make a number of fuck ups at the beginning, right? On purpose, half on purpose, half by accident. Sometimes I do it again and again and again, and uh, and I get so frustrated. I did an episode about Monty Python just a few days ago, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't start it. It took me about 10 attempts to make a decent start. Because you were the, the bar was so high. Yeah, exactly. The Monty Pythons. How do you address that? How do you talk about them? I know. How do you even pronounce Mount Monty Python? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd worked that out, but I just yeah. couldn't. It was like there was this big wall that I had to climb over. Right. Which was, how am I going to get across to my listeners that Monty Python is a thing that they should... You know, even now I can't explain it. Yeah, but can you explain why they're coming back? Uh, why? <laughs> yeah, like, can can you explain that? Can I explain nobody? The, uh, the uh, the 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 reunion. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think there's probably two reasons. One of them is because they fancied doing it again, and they they wanted to relive their youth and and be funny again. And the other thing is there's just the money. Yeah, yeah obviously. I think they're. They just need to pay their bills. Yeah, and ex-wives, and uh, maybe Terry Gilliam will do another couple of movies with that money. So let's hope so. Yeah, positive in Romania. Yeah, did he did the, he make the them in Romania? Last one, uh, Zero Theorem, was shot there. Really? And I'm I'm curious to watch it just because of that to to see if does it show? Can you tell it's shot in Romania? I've no idea. I no, that's what I want to discover. Okay. Well, I mean, it's very hard with with uh, Terry Gilliam's films because he's got such a unique visual style that it's difficult to identify exactly where one of his films was made. You know, yeah. it's just a Gilliam movie. It's not necessarily a sort of just a movie that's clearly in in one place. I mean, it's just in Gilliam land, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's the case. It's a uh, you know, kind of fantasy world being compared to uh, Brazil. So. Yeah. Which is a movie and a country, but yeah. we're talking about the movie. If, yeah, if we, you have uh, Terry Gilliam and Brazil in the same sentence, there's chances that you're talking about a movie. Yeah, or, or about football. I I imagine that 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 many of my listeners aren't aware of the the movie Brazil by Terry Gilliam, who is one of the Monty Python team. Um, Right now, I was I was intending to begin this uh, episode with a kind of introduction. We've kind of uh, hit the ground running. As we say, yeah, yeah, sounds like I was uh, willing to kind of help you talk about Monty Python, and so that's. I think we we've at least that we've covered. I think so. I think we've dealt with the Monty Python bit a little bit there at the beginning, at the outset. I was saying that it's difficult for me sometimes to start episodes of Luke's English podcast because um, it, I have to do the introduction a few times before I get it right. But I think we're, I'm going to go with this one, Cornelius. I'm impressed. This is the first hour. first uh, take. Yeah, and we're going to keep going. All right. Amazing. So, ladies, already, uh, yeah, we're moving on. We are. Yeah. We are. We're, we're we're moving. The podcast is rolling. Maybe rolling down a hill. Uh, at this point, we don't know. Aren't but it's, we all? It's moving in 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 one of the directions. 
I don't know how many directions there are in, in, in the universe. Uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, I didn't prepare. I, you know, I was uh, good in physics and I wouldn't venture now with the just an off the cuff. No. Uh, answer i would need to prepare that so I, yeah if you want to do a physics episode with me i'm all for that yeah but we'll have to prepare it. are you a, do you like physics i i was uh, kind of you know into that because um uh, in high school i was preparing for um medical school so you had to be uh, good in physics and i also had a very good uh, uh, teacher Right. In, in high school and a uh, great guy who also knew how to tell a story, you know, and because we were also talking about teaching methods and yeah. that certainly was one. Uh, he had a, a sense of humor, but he wasn't pushing the humor. He was pushing in the stories. Yes. You know, uh, about himself, about the great physicians, about, you know, anything. And um, I, that was great. He was a great storyteller. So you, you, your physics teacher was like a particularly good teacher because of his ability to tell stories. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's one of the important skills that a teacher should have is the ability to try and tell a story. Um, we'll come on to teaching stuff in a minute. I think I should probably explain to my listeners what's going on. I mean, I, I think that everyone listening to this you know, they. I think you know generally what's going on. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast, and I'm talking to a friend of mine who's sitting right next to me here. We're drinking tea. Um, this is, uh, we're drinking some Japanese tea. How is it? Are you enjoying this it's tea? It's great. It's great. I'm, I can feel it already. Yeah. 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 How, how does it feel to drink tea? I don't miss tea? the coffee anymore. Really? That's how good it feels. So it's a, an adequate replacement for coffee. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's, and it's a very interesting taste because there's some rice in it. Yeah, this is Japanese genmai cha, which is genmai tea. I'm not sure what genmai means, but anyway, it's just the name of this Japanese green tea, and it's a combination of um, like green tea leaves and some uh, roasted uh, rice as well roasted grains of rice and it results in a sort of green tea with a slightly roasted uh flavor to it and of course because it's got nice quality sencha green tea leaves in there it has the refreshing quality of of green tea i i couldn't describe it better um i i didn't know i was drinking all that you that's, are. That's it's, my reaction. It's a complicated fusion yeah. of many different ingredients. The result being, it's refreshing and it's good for you. A little bit like Luke's English podcast, Cornelio. See, that was my segue. That was my way back into introducing this episode. I um, salute that. Thank you very much. Right, so you're listening to Luke's English podcast, and joining me here today is my friend Cornelio. Now, uh, how do I pronounce your surname, Cornelio? Dragomirescu. Dragomirescu. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Good. Well, I didn't know, uh, you know, I needed you to say it first. Yeah, yeah, but no, I mean, I don't expect uh, here in France or in any other place in the world that, than Romania, I don't expe expect an accurate uh, pronunciation. So uh, since I've lived outside of Romania for a while now, I'm in peace with it. So, Do people get your name uh, wrong? Yeah, mostly. <laughs> but uh, really? it's also, I can't blame them because it, it, it's so long. Mm. And uh, so some uh, some of them maybe start well and kind of give up in the middle, and I understand that. Yeah, really? Uh, Is that what happens? Yeah, some some of, I mean, because people try. Okay, I they hear 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 the name once and try to reproduce that. Maybe the first letters, the first sounds are okay, but then it crumbles. So it's like Cornelio Dragon. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they they feel uh, the the rest is superfluous. It's now already. 
four, five, six letters, I think yeah. they feel it's enough. That's enough. How many syllables is, are there in Dragomirescu? Is that five? Yeah, it sounds like, but uh, I know there's... You know, say, say it again for me. Dragomirescu. Yeah, okay. that's it. Five. That's quite a lot of syllables. I'm okay with it. I, I'm, me? I'm, me too. Yeah. The more the merrier. I mean, you, you, were, you were good. You're in the top five. Of, really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I don't believe that. No, no, no. It's It's true. I had a I had an advantage though, Cornelia, because yeah. I asked you to say it first. I didn't attempt it without any uh, preparation. Yeah. But it shows that you're a good listener. You, know, you have a good ear. So I suppose so. Guess just that was enough. Okay. All right. Thank. So. Well, thanks very much. Um, does your name mean anything, Cornelia Dragomirescu? Does it actually? Does it have a meaning? Well, I, I was not very preoccupied by that. Obviously, there are uh, Slavic roots, dra- mm-hmm. Dragomir. And Escu being kind of a, um, a typical Romanian uh, uh, way of uh, constructing the family yeah, names. Yeah. But uh, a friend told me a few years ago, that a Polish friend, yeah. uh, that it, would, it can be uh, translated as uh, the son of the dragon tamer. That's brilliant. Yeah. And so uh, now, even though I think it's bullshit, <laughs> I, I'm going with that uh, 100%. <laughs> Cornelio, the son of the dragon tamer. Yeah. Have you ever tamed a, a dragon? Yeah, that, has your father th- ever that tamed is a dragon? My father, yeah, I can, you know, I, I, I'm way softer than that. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, but he, he probably has, I don't know. He's a surgeon. Your dad? Yeah, so probably that was part of uh, the, the, uh, the ongoings of surgery over right. the years. So he, he helps people with surgery, but he may be able to use his tools to tame dragons absolutely yeah okay yeah that's probably the the accurate description okay all right so with me here as you've worked out already because i've said it a few times yeah. is Cornelio dragomirescu which we may which may mean Cornelio the son of the dragon tamer yeah i'm going with that yeah yeah yeah. that's fine it's the best version that i know um so how do we know each other Cornelio? um we we know each other from the stand-up scene in paris don't we sure it's uh, been a couple of years now yeah. right yeah that's right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and we performed together on several shows yeah, and uh, it was just last uh, Friday that we we appeared together yeah, on a show. That's right. So yeah. we're fresh of that experience. Fresh from the stand-up uh, stage uh, there at the So Gymnase in the center of Paris. Um, yeah, so I've known Cornelio a couple of years now, uh, just from the stand-up scene in Paris. Um, you're good friends with uh, Sebastian Marx, who's right. been on this podcast right. several times, um, and. Um, Basically, sort of, we we always end up having these interesting conversations before, during, or after shows. Usually, after shows, when we go to the bar and, and have a few beers. So we we often have these sort of interesting conversations, often revolving around uh, learning English or movies. Um, those are the seem to be the two most common yeah. subjects. Um, then uh, also, I know that you're from Romania, as we've just said, but you've lived in the United States, uh, I believe. Um, you, you lived there for a year, you said? Yeah, well, the thing is that I moved to France 10 years ago, and but during this time, I also spent a year in the, U- the US and uh, uh, been traveling uh, for shorter periods, but uh, that's, yeah, kind of the past 10 years have been... Um, away from home yeah and probably now they're at home since uh, my my new home now is is france at yeah. least for what i know now i i don't have plans to move but uh what brought you to france in the first place 
I guess uh, I've always been uh, sort of an admirer of French culture and cinema in particular. Mm, mm. Uh, and uh, since I had studied cinema, I, I was going uh, to have a career in this field. And um, I was also at that time uh, disappointed uh, with how things were going on in Romania. Yeah. I had started working in the cinema business, yeah. had a few experiences, but uh, they didn't feel very uh, comfortable although probably I was advancing in some direction. Mm. Uh, and uh, then I said, well, I, I got I to gotta try this. Uh, let's do it. And uh, so I just moved. Uh, and of course, there were years when I studied again and then started working. And in, in the meantime, had this, uh, um, how would I say, uh, U.S. parenthesis. Yeah, you had like a little break of a year in, yeah, in, the, in yeah. the U.S., yeah. Okay. So you're a filmmaker. That's your. That's like your career, basically. Is that right? Yeah. That's. Uh, let's. Let's say. Uh, let's say that because I. I mean, I'm also uh, working uh, as an actor. Mm -hmm. But if we want, we can include all that in the filmmaking experience, and not generally the. F when you say filmmaker, many people think of the director. But yeah. uh, I think uh, this is a generous term that can include different capacities, screenwriter. Uh, etc and so let's include all that in there it's mm -hmm. a package and that's me okay so you're involved in a in a in some form uh in the making of movies either as an actor as a director as yeah. a screenwriter yeah. um okay great and you also do stand-up as we know um all right but so i wouldn't include that in the filmmaking experience no because it's a separate uh, yeah, entity entity yeah. on its of its own isn't it yeah yeah, yeah very much so no it, it's a thing stand-up is a thing i would include many things in stand-up yeah but so you see how generous that thing is absolutely stand-up is is like a multidisciplinary yeah. uh art form would you say that stand-up is an art form absolutely yeah okay yeah because yeah. now i'm doing it so i i can debase it <laughs> <laughs> okay all right all right great um movies stand-up uh, uh from romania lived in france 10 years now a one-year break in the U.S. This is this is still the introduction, Cornelia. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so you also have learned English to uh, a high enough standard to, to allow you to perform stand-up comedy in English and to be very funny. And uh, you can also talk nonsense with me while drinking beer. So your English is at that level where you're able to talk crap with me. Yeah, and here I, I need to express my gratitude towards you for allowing me to to do that. For allowing you to talk, yeah. talk nonsense yeah. with yeah, me. Yeah, because you're a well-known uh, nonsense talker, Absolute, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of honored to share those moments. Well, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always fun to talk nonsense. I mean, it, I could just sit and talk nonsense on my own. And I do occasionally. I mean, obviously into a microphone. Right. But sometimes even when there's no recording equipment, I'm just on my own. And I'll just talk. Not that much. Don't worry. I'm not uh, not mentally ill, not as far as I know. I, I don't want to judge that. I'm no, not judging. No. Even if you were, I would still praise you. For you still that. respect me yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, so I, I'm able to talk nonsense on my own, but it's always nice to, to talk nonsense um, in in company with a friend. Absolutely. Since, I mean, you, and I discovered that over 
time you have a, a very in-depth knowledge of a certain type of cinema yeah that i also like and but you're going into a frame by frame gesture by gesture analysis sometimes certainly and i'm fascinated by that <laughs> and i remember um, the first time i became aware i think we were talking about um die hard the yeah. original Uh, die Hard movie, right? And then, of course, um, we recently talked about Taken because you were doing a, a famous uh, bit <laughs> on on Taken in your in your act, and that was a, a very impressive discovery. So, my listeners, um, they don't know that I do something about Taken. I haven't, oh, I haven't I, been. I, into I outed that. you as a Taken. Oh, that's great commentator. No, I just haven't managed to get round to it yet. I've been meaning to do an episode, a whole episode of Luke's English podcast, all about the movie Taken, because it's just an incredible piece of uh, cinematic uh, history, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not going to go too much into it now, but I love the film Taken, but I also kind of hate it as well. Right. I've got this weird love-hate relationship with that film. Uh, my listeners might not know what it is, but it's a, it's a sort of cheesy action movie starring Liam Neeson as a, a, a kind of... What is he? He's like a sort of secret agent. Yeah, kind of... Um Retired. He's a reti he's I like semi-retired yeah, secret agent who's got a teenage daughter, and uh, his teenage daughter decides that she wants to go travelling in in France yeah. in Paris. Big mistake. And Liam Neeson's like, "No, Kimmy, you can't go." And he he decides that she can't go because it's too dangerous. Because of course she'll get kidnapped, right? Yeah, it's Europe, it's France. It's dangerous. Yeah. I know the world, Kimmy. I know how dangerous it can be. You can't go. Um, you'll be kidnapped and turned into a sex slave. You know, that's what he thinks. Yeah. But um, Revealing the, the whole script, actually. Yeah, he kind of gives you the whole plot before <laughs> yeah, it happens. That. But it's bit, the, the whole... Of course, she then goes to, to France, and what happens? Yeah, she gets kidnapped, naturally. Uh, and then the rest of the film sees Liam Neeson attempting to rescue her. Yeah. And how does he rescue her? He goes to Europe, and he kills everyone. Yeah, mostly Albanians, though. Is it and Albanians? That, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a relief for... Us, other, you know, Eastern countries. <laughs> He focuses on the Albanians. Uh, yeah, yeah. For once, you know, uh, we're. See, this is the, one of the problems that I have with this film because it's impossible to spoil it. First of all, I can't spoil the film because it's a very enjoyable ride. It's a crazy, you know, action-filled ride, and it's it. But it very um, cynically pulls at various emotional strings right. as a way of. Um, justifying all these acts of senseless murder, which he commits. I mean, he kills these people, but I think as an audience, we are expected to not only accept what he's doing, but agree with it. Why? Just ba mainly because he loves his daughter so much. Right. And, and like, you know, the film um, uh, exploits our, our basic uh, emotions. The emotions are, well, of course, we understand the love that a father has for his daughter. And so... That's the motivation of this character, and so we're, we're willing to go along with him. Uh, but if you actually take a step back and look at what he's doing, do, do, does that justify all of the, the, the murders and the, the violence and the law-breaking? Uh, as long as one American girl is okay, that's the most important thing, is it? Yeah, well, uh, apparently, but you know, uh, if you think of it, Star Wars, yeah. is, uh, you have the reveal at the end that uh, Darth Vader is... The father, yes, yes, his father. So, and all all the movie, all the story, kind of changes. Is put in perspective by that. Mm. So you can also say that you know it kind of justifies uh, Darth really? Vader's. Uh, 
But well, I'm, I'm kind of I'm trying to open a path for thought here. Oh, there's definitely a path for thought regarding Star Wars. I mean, God, I've spent many, many, uh, I've wasted many a year of my life <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> thinking about Star Wars. <laughs> Cornelio, there's all oh, there's there's hours and hours and, of material. And there. Th there's other years ahead where you have to deal with the new movies that are coming up. Can't wait for that. So uh, it's a. Uh, a life well spent, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, to the point is that yeah, he's a father. Liam so, Neeson. No, Darth Vader. Darth Vader is. So that kind of justifies yeah, because, some of his doings. Because we know that if you're a father, God, that's stressful. Yeah. I mean, you, you're going to have a lot of stress. So if, he, if you murder a couple of people, that's all it's right, okay, isn't it? Especially he, if, you know, you're on the, that kind of sleepless nights yeah. that the young you know, fathers have. Yeah. Uh, and, and that can, you know... Uh, if you're deprived of sleep, uh, no, nobody knows what happened. You switch to the bad side, the dark side of the force. You could become evil e easily. You're easily. saying that you're saying that Darth Vader switched to the dark side just because he didn't sleep enough. I think that was it—the sleepless nights. He couldn't handle that because normally uh, you can go back and forth. You know, really uh, between the good and the yeah, dark yeah, sides. Yeah, yeah, But that's kind of you're working a tight rope. It's yes. not even a rope; it's a thread. Yeah, uh, and and I think that was it for him. So he was like, first of all, mm, mm, I'm not sure I'm willing to go along completely with this yeah. theory that Darth Vader turned to the dark side. He turned to evil just because he didn't get enough sleep. When, uh, when Luke was a little boy. I'm sure it didn't help. I'm sure the sleeplessness didn't help. Yeah. But I think underneath that, there must have been some underlying condition which caused him to flip and turn into a mass murdering evil overlord of the dark side i think it wasn't just a case of oh i didn't sleep enough because i've i've had times in my life when i haven't been able to sleep and it hasn't turned me into uh an evil dictator yeah but you didn't have uh, babies crying uh, true that time true so i i don't think you can measure that okay and uh you know those who have been through that know that it's it's perfectly justifiable to then like solve problems by uh, suffocating people absolutely by blowing up planets sounds fair okay. i would say all right i clearly being a father is much more demanding than i yeah. than i had first imagined you're you're a father aren't yeah, you? yeah yeah we should probably uh, explain that this is the case so i'm talking from experience yes yeah, yeah. okay how, how how old is your daughter no boy so, oh i'm sorry it's boy oh, i'm really it's sorry no no it's it's, it's fine because you oh you have I seen have him seen, you yeah, have i'm seen really sorry i have seen the baby small and probably uh, uh we didn't, i just made a big i've just made a bad mistake no listeners. no no we, 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 i got the gender of the baby yeah, wrong no it's it's fine 13 months 13 months yeah, okay that's the answer so is he is he crying still is he waking you up uh, at night so, yes from time to time but it's it's i think it's okay we've managed to strike a deal Really? Yeah. Like, listen, mate, if you just uh, keep it quiet, then I'll give you a bit of chocolate every now and then. Yeah, yeah because I also had to kind of make a deal when, when he was born. Yeah. Uh, and that's very tricky and probably, you know, it's good advice for future fathers because he kind of uh, was blocked inside. 
uh, I mean blocked. He was in a in a position that was not very easy to. Um, oh, you mean to like be born? Yeah, during during Just the pregnancy. Labor. Yeah, pre labor. Let's say. So he was like the wrong way round. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. feet came out first, as it were. No, no, no. The, it was the forehead was in a kind of, a, but it was head down, but the forehead was kind of blocked. I see. And uh, so the doctor said, okay, either he changes position or we'll have to operate. Oh know? my god! And we didn't want that at all. So uh, we, I, I'm. I'm going to leave you with him for a while and we'll see in a couple of hours if he, he, he changed it. What, the doctor was like, you talk to him? Yeah, yeah, no, actually they said that. that you know, talk to, talk to him, just to be <laughs> calm, relaxed, and maybe, maybe things will change. And I, um, that, we did that and I, I felt that uh, uh, I had to step in and kind of say a few strong words as Liam Neeson would. Now look, yeah. I... I don't know who you are. I, in fact, I do know who you are. You're my son. It's time that you came out of the womb. Now stop messing around or I will kill you. Kind of like that. Kind of okay. like that. And what I said was basically, uh, you know, come out easily and it'll be fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll work it out. And that I, 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 I congratulate myself because I didn't make, you know, like in, in uh, fairy tales, uh, sort of a deal involving, um, you know, uh, Life without death, or uh, li- youth without uh, uh, old age, so or stuff like that. And you didn't have to make, you didn't promise him no, something impossible. Nothing. No. Not what e- was? What did you do? He said, like, "Hey, come out. We've got Nintendo, Mario." You know, not even that. Really? I just said, "You know, it'll be fine. I will. We'll find out something. It'll be interesting. Come out." Uh-huh. And I was convincing, and uh, you know, in a couple of hours, uh, he had moved. And everything went fine from that point oh, on. That's great, and that be- that's because you know I. So probably that's where um, guys like Darth Vader, or even Liam Neeson, mm. would have fucked it up. Yeah, because uh, maybe they would have been pushed by instinct to right. kind of strike a deal like that. Like Vader would have said, "Join me," you know. What, 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 uh, hold on a minute. I'm going to do a Darth Vader. Sure, impression. sure. Oh. Mm-hmm. Just getting into character here. Right, okay. Right. Luke. It's, what's your son's name? Uh, it's Alexander. Alexander. Alexander, join me and we'll rule the galaxy as father and son. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, probably. And so you, you didn't say that. You didn't, you didn't give him some... You didn't promise too much. You weren't like, come out and we'll rule the galaxy together as father and son. We'll be the, the lords of the universe. You just said, come out. It's going to be all right. Yeah, it's, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll work it out. So this has two sides. Either, I mean, obviously I was wise and didn't get into something uh, that'll hold me back for the whole life you mean of, y- of, of us together. You didn't have a promise that you yeah. had to stick to. And on the other hand, obviously, I wasn't very much of a talk in that moment and I just did, didn't you know I just said a basic thing that worked and in the end you know if uh, when my my son maybe uh, after years and years will find maybe this podcast and will listen mm. to the story mm. well, they, well, that was a lame speech <laughs> that was nothing he had you nothing sh- you should have written something a lot more impressive than hey yeah. just come out it's gonna be it's gonna be fine he had nothing Right. Prepared. If you had the opportunity to write that speech again as a screenwriter, um, what would be your inspiration? Like, um, how would you rewrite that that script? The script where you have to persuade your son, your unborn son, to turn into a better position and then come out of the womb 
of of your wife right um uh, what what like speech would you write to to do that this is a very bizarre episode yeah, of it, it is I, I wasn't expecting that but now that <laughs> you, you don't have you to write that, me you don't have to write that script now Cornelia. You, what you could do is no. just, you could just tell me uh what would be your inspiration would you go for a kind of um like what movie would be your template for that speech would you do a braveheart kind of mel gibson freedom freedom would it be that or or what Well, I was uh, when you said uh, pattern movie. I, I was thinking of Independence Day. Okay, because it, it's you know Independence Day is good. Yeah, he comes out independent. He's not. Uh, he's no longer in the womb. He's fine, and uh, you know that's his Independence. So you'd day. go for an Independence Day. Thing. Absolutely, very much so. Because I was so so uh, marked by that movie. Yeah, that uh, you know it's the speech. That's the one where is it Bill Pullman? Absolutely, as the president the of the president, USA, yeah, yeah, yeah. stands on top of a tank. Is it a tank or a car? I think so. Something. Uh, And he says, military. "Look, there are aliens, but don't worry about it. It's fine because we're all awesome, especially the Americans. Americans, but we have everybody with us. So this today, the fourth of July, becomes you know the the day we gained. We all with the Earth gained its uh, independence, independence from so that, the aliens. That is basically, it. Yeah, even, yeah." But that was, you know, for me, uh, I remember saw it in Bucharest when it came out and it was in a huge um, theater that used to be uh, a place for um, party congresses in the communist era. Oh, oh it was like a communist sort of, uh, party head office for big po communist party uh, it, it conferences. It was a big theater, conference room uh, and uh, concert so that, hall. That's where the, the communists would, back in the day, would have gathered together to be all communist and make big yeah, the, the congresses and they were using that uh, a lot because it offered a good display but at that point in the 90s they were showing movies there new okay. movies because it was a huge uh, theater and uh, there was an appetite for american movies that mm. were kind of fresh at that yeah. point yeah and i saw it there the room was full i don't know hundreds Thousands? I don't know. Probably it's, Big it's uh, 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 over a thousand easily. Mm. And um, there was the speech and uh, huge applause. Everybody really? played. It was like, you know, um, the communists came back again and it was the 80s. Uh, But it was... Uh, the applause was could have only been matched by those... You know, Those speeches style, uh, in the yeah, communist yeah, era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's ironic, isn't it? Because that speech by the president in Independence Day yeah. is very sort of capitalist. It's the American dream sort of model of, yeah, yeah. of uh, you know, ideology. It's the kind of, you know, uh, it's the, yeah, it's the sort of American freedom liberation vision, isn't it, in that speech? But that's what people wanted at that, that point. Right. They, so They were craving for that kind of uh, imagery and... Uh, mm. It's very, it's very interesting that you're from Romania because um, I think it's a very interesting country. It's a very interesting part of the world. Uh, you were talking about the communist era, of course, for, you know, up until the 90s. Was it so the beginning of the 1990s? It was till, uh, 18, uh, December 89, 89 was the fall of the regime. So uh, practically uh, as the 90s began, so began our uh, new adventure. Right. So it was, you know... Uh, it, Romania was behind the Iron Curtain, as they say. Yeah. Uh, up until right at the end of 1989, when the regime went down. And then, boom, sort of like um, the, the place opened up to so many other things. Yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. you ended up sitting in 
theatres watching Independence Day, for example. That was a few years later, but yeah, you can go from one to another. Also, I would point out that at that time, 89, uh, it was uh, uh, Mili Vanilli were revealed to be a fraud. <laughs> so it was kind of the same, same moment. Lev- just, same, yeah. same level of shock. Just for people to have a reference, because it it's comparable and... Uh, Certainly in America. I mean, do, do, uh, listeners, do you know who Millie, Vanilli, Millie Vanilli are or were? They were a pop duo, two of them. They were twins, weren't they? Not really. I no? don't think so. No, no, they, they were completely they, different. They looked, I mean, from different backgrounds, I think. Okay, all right. Anyway, they were this, these pop stars who were hugely successful um, in the 80s, late 80s. And then around that time, yeah, it was revealed that they were fake because they didn't sing any of their stuff. They yeah. didn't record any of it. They were just fake pop stars, and it was like a huge shock. Yeah, so he's yeah. saying that this revelation was uh, just as big. It's such a, it was just as significant as the fall of the, uh, the, the Iron Curtain. Well, if you list the events of 1989, mm. those two would be uh, you know, in the top. Vying for top position. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right, I see. Um, but um, so was that a big... I mean... Uh, obviously, you're joking about the mini vanilla thing, yeah, although that is although important. Although they were big, because there was, uh, you know, uh, uh, there was no uh, vast knowledge of uh, pop music and culture in Romania till uh, late '89. Yeah. So all that opened up in 1990, yeah. uh, and we got all that kind of music. And uh, the obvious references to me are MC Hammer, mm-hmm. Snap. Milli Vanilli. So wait a minute. And, uh, after after years and years of nothing, exactly. The first thing you got is MC Hammer. Yeah, that's terrible. And, and Vanilla Ice. And Vanilla uh, Ice. I, I was forgetting Vanilla Ice. Although Jesus. I wrote a screenplay around around that idea of you know Vanilla Ice influencing Romania in 1990. You must have thought though when you when you when you were like, oh, now we've got like the freedom to listen to all this music. Let's yeah. let's what are, what are they doing in in America and in you know the rest of the world? What is this amazing music that they've been listening to? And and you put on the radio and it's like do 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 can't touch this do stop hammer time and you think is this it is this the best that they could do uh, well i think people liked it you know because yeah. these guys then came uh, and, and even now now you want to have a huge success in romania with a concert yeah you would book any of those guys really yeah you you uh you would um fill up that that room that i told you about the the communist conference uh well, and actually happened with like guys like uh, Ace of Base, uh, yeah. which were also you know pop yeah, uh, yeah. artists at that time, um, and of course, well, the the major event was uh, Michael Jackson coming in '92, oh, yeah. yeah. and that was a first class event because it was considered one of his best concerts actually, and it was I think um, edited in DVD, and uh, it was really a, a, an event. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, was uh, you know the bright side. I, I could say. see that. I mean, I could see if Jack Michael Jackson came because he he was a cut above the rest, but. Um, I don't know, like MC Hammer. But I'm sort of joking a bit, but, but I'm also not. I mean, from my point of view, you know, being from England, when MC Hammer and, and a lot of those acts came out, those pop acts from the late 80s and the rest of the 80s, we sort of thought, oh, this is crap, this stuff. I mean, obviously, it's brilliant as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I do like uh, MC Hammer, but I don't hold it in as high. It's not as significant to me in terms of music as some other stuff you know there's loads of other things like you know you've got your stuff that came out in the 70s and the 60s when when and and in the 80s as well 
that um, perhaps you weren't exposed to in Romania. But we, you know, we hold in great esteem, you know, groups like Queen and the Beatles and Pink Floyd and and Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath and all that stuff, you know, right. the serious sort of pop music, right. let's say. that That's the kind of... And, and also other bands like The Clash and, the you know, the Sex Pistols and yeah, yeah. All, the list goes on. Um, so compared to those guys, MC Hammer is just a bit of a joke, yeah, really. Yeah, absolutely. But that, I think that's what's interesting and it's a comment on the power of pop culture because you have something um, crappy Mm. Uh, let's say let's be uh, frank now yeah Uh, uh, and uh, it becomes relevant just because it's placed in a uh, context like that and now it's associated in the minds of people even like me with that time of great change and of Mm. great hope and um, uh, i think it's interesting like now as i was saying uh, i was writing a a screenplay a few years ago and even if you do now a, a movie about that time yeah you'd obviously illustrated with this kind of songs right the songs of the moment yeah and this is uh, ironic but it's it's the memory it's you know uh, nostalgia now uh, adds value to that kind of uh, songs and uh, i i gotta say i wasn't paying much attention to that kind of thing then it was a novelty but i wasn't into that yeah but now i'm interested in that just because of the nostalgic value that they have yeah by yeah, being yeah. associated and it's not just me it's the whole generation i guess and there is i guess there is something about that music those those pop songs which is still a great joy i mean they're they're throwaway it's disposable music it's it's just uh um, not very deep but it's f- totally fun and yeah. just carefree and exciting and colorful and ridiculous and funny and all these things that perhaps uh, weren't so available to you absolutely the, beforehand but if since we're and you took the discussion in this direction uh, we were sort of exposed to good music because mm. all the, the great bands of the 60s and 70s yeah. um, that music was available in a sort of under the table manner right people were bringing cassettes discs and they were uh, copying that and sharing uh, even selling those on the um on the uh, black the, market. Like the, yeah, or even the, like the flea market, you would get uh, under the table a few cassettes. Mm. Uh, and uh, so people knew about that. And you would have like bootleg uh, VHS tapes of Pink Floyd's The Wall, for mm. instance. That was one of the, the movies that traumatized my uh, you know youth, my uh, infancy, because uh, I remember we gathered. Uh, so not everybody had a VCR player. Mm. And you would go to the relatives or friends who had that and watch a couple of uh, bootleg VHS tapes, movies or concerts. Yeah. And I was uh, very uh, little, I don't know, probably about eight, ten, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, saw this, uh, the, the wall, yeah. uh, in, um, in, it was my uncle's... Uh, house he he had a lot of those tapes and yeah. this, so he was very proud to show us that yeah and i was uh, very much traumatized by by the whole thing yes, that was he, going on there the cartoons and the, uh, the 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 you know live action part what was it about it that was traumatic uh, you know visually it was very ter- kind of you know that wasn't that where um they um they put the 
the kids through the grinding machine. Yeah, there's there's the the f- um, the song which is called the wall. Yeah, right. And it's yeah. like, te- you know, we don't need no education. Boom, 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 right, boom, right, right. boom. And all in all, it's just a, another brick in the wall, which is I find it traumatic as well. I mean, I find it like quite a dark and disturbing yeah. song. But in the video for that, I mean, it's all about, for example, the way in which a system um, manipulates people. And the way in which, like, uh, for example, a system—it could be a capitalist system or communist system—but any system which is in place in a in a country, um, sort of f- molds people and f- uh, puts people into boxes or categories sure. or whatever. And it's it ultimately it's how our freedoms or liberty is sort of compromised by being in some sort of society. All right, yeah. and 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 the wall is a symbol of that. And and also in the video for the wall, the music video for it, you see um, this this rather sort of surreal, uh, and yet it's like a bad trip. It's like a bad acid trip or something. And there's this weird monster. He's a teacher, but he's a big monster. And and there's people walking in lines, and they 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 morph into hammers. Exactly, hammers coming down, and and people being put into a meat grinder and Mm -hmm. and and being transformed into mince meat and it's yeah it's pretty so all this was kind of um you know uh, coming towards me but i'm telling you know what was the most shocking sequence was you have a guy uh, a young guy but i think he's on drugs and he's kind of the victim uh, i think of the the capitalist society probably played by bob geldof i think Uh, well you know you might have uh, you might know better than me and he's in in a room with his tv and at some point he uh just grabs the tv and throws it out the window right and it crashes on the ground yeah Uh, i'm telling you that this was the most terrifying sequence Mm. because we didn't have a color tv Oh, right. And this guy had a car TV and he was just showing it, uh, sh- uh, throwing it uh, out the window. And that was the most painful. And, you know, you, I, I, we were See, for, for, sad. I think for us, like the image of a rock star or someone throwing a television out of a window and it's smashing on the ground. For us, that's an incredibly liberating yeah. image because it's because although, you know, living and growing up in the capitalist situation, um, you're constantly being bombarded with commercially driven images on television, you know, uh, commercials or the news or whatever. It's like a kind of propaganda, not necessarily controlled propaganda, but sort of commercial propaganda, which is basically buy this, do this, think in this kind of way, because um, it's good for our business, you know. Like ultimately the people on TV, a lot of them, unless it's... Unless it's the BBC and some other institutions, but often commercial television, you just feel like you're being consumed by this capitalist machine. So the, the, the image of throwing the TV out of the window is like a way of rejecting all of this sort of cultural imperialism that's coming into your eyes right. and to switching it off and just thinking for yourself. So that's actually a liberation for us. But for yeah. you, it was... It At was that quite- time, I mean, obviously now, uh, you know, it's, it, everybody understood that even in Romania, or at least most yeah. of the... And, and it, it didn't take long. Mm. But at that point, you know, there was, I, 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 we didn't have a, a color TV, for instance. There was, there was a very old black and white one yeah. with lamps. I guess that's the technical term. It's like you have, it was huge, mm. first of all. And there was like this technical parts that, that had to, that were very sensitive. And some, some at some point you had to kind of kick the, the TV yeah. to work. Yeah. That's pretty well known uh, in the world. But it also took time to light up. Yeah. 
It took about 10 minutes. So if you wanted to see something, actually, you had to calculate in advance <laughs> 10, maybe 15 minutes to catch a show. Yeah. A and so you see, there was, uh, there was sort of fascination with TV. And actually, mm. that's one of the first good things uh, with uh, 1990. Yeah. We, we got a color TV. All right. And did it improve? was important. Did it improve your life? Well, I guess so, yeah. Very much so. And, uh, you know, uh, another important step in, let's say, the visual literacy mm -hmm. of, of uh, Romania, or right. filmic literacy, was that we got cable very early in the 90s. I guess by 93, yeah. and 94 was already widespread, which re didn't really happen here in France, for instance. This came very late with, uh, you know, these boxes that offer cable. Uh, sort of Don't really know. I mean, I, I'm not sure about the way it's developed in France, but I can tell you in England, yeah, the, we got cable. It came in in little bits and pieces, but it's not like, for example, in the US where just boom, everyone had cable. Yeah. In England, you know, you know, it's something you had to specially install. A lot of people had satellite dishes, but um, no, it didn't really come in until um, probably about 10 years ago, in right, fact, right. when everyone got a free view box, which entitled them to get about 50 TV channels. Yeah, yeah, Some we, people had satellite TV and cable before that, but it wasn't until about 10 or 15 years ago that everyone got it. Yeah. yeah. So this, this happened very early, and I think it, it was very important to expose people to stuff, because you were mentioning this, and uh, uh, people understood, uh, those who were able to understand a, l a lot of things earlier by being exposed to all this information. Right. And also, for me, what was important, getting a lot of movies through these, these channels, yes. you know? So I was, I was very happy beginning 1993. Uh, wow. Mostly, but also '92 because we got in in cinemas. We were in sync with you know with the world. But uh, yeah, uh, now looking back, it's, we're talking mostly about American movies. So you already uh, in cinemas at yeah. that point. But on TV, you you, you were able to see uh, um, a lot of stuff. And since you know copyright laws were not uh, so strictly enforced at that point, there was a um, now famous TV channel who started simply by broadcasting uh, archive uh, movies that they got from the archives. So they were from the Cinematheque. They got access to the, those vaults. And they were simply broadcasting classics all day, and they built a strong audience on that because everybody wanted to see Casablanca at 2 p.m. Yeah. With so, lunch. So wait a minute. They... The TV company or the TV institution in, in Romania had access to these vaults of movies. This was a private uh, TV channel. Okay. Because I don't think, the, you know, the state-owned uh, channel w would have done that. I mean, obviously, there was something fishy about it even then. Uh, but they were, you know, airing all this. I... I, I Assume they weren't paying any, right? Or maybe some, a little fee to the archives because they they took the prints from there, uh, but they they uh, they kind of filled their space with that. Sorry, I'm just wondering which archives you had national archives. Yeah, like there was a, a, a Cinematech which had archives. Cinematech. Yeah. That's like, like the uh, that's a nationally owned. Yeah, like the yeah, like similar as here in France, there's a, a Cinematech which has shows you know the old. Uh, Movies and has now a museum that was also an already well established institution. It's like the, it's like the like, National Film Institution, yeah, basically. Yeah, okay, yeah. Of, of Romania, yeah. they had a collection of, of, of Hollywood films. They had prints of uh, almost everything, okay. and so they they used that. But that was okay because I got a you know good exposure. It was also we got 
um, what's now Turner Classic Movies. Turner Classic was Movies. TNT. Uh, TNT, yeah. And uh, you had a lot of um, uh, classic movies then. Uh, okay. that. So th this is a, it was like a film school for me. It must have been, yeah, yeah. So, so that, that's what sort of um, really turned you on to movies and ultimately led you to pursue that as a career, yeah. you know, as a filmmaker. Yeah. What's your favorite film, Cornelia? Well, I can um, I can tell you now what my favorite film is, but what was very important then in this path that you're kind of sk sketching here yeah. was seeing in cinemas um, um, Sir Richard Attenborough's Chaplin. Richard Attenborough's Chaplin yeah. with um, Robert Downey yes. Jr. Yeah, with the role that made him famous. Yeah, uh, and uh, so that was uh, for me an event because uh, you know it showed a glimpse of history, uh, this myth that I was obviously aware of, but I didn't put into a historic perspective. So this this is a this is a film uh, about Charlie Chaplin. It's like a document, uh, not a documentary. No, no, it's a bio biopic. Biopic, yeah. About Charlie Chaplin, starring Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. And that was written by um, a very famous screenwriter, William Goldman. Okay. Who uh, talks about this uh, this adventure? Obviously, he loved the 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 picture. Uh, the picture came in a bit flawed now, and the reviews pointed out. That, but uh, there are some problems with the film. Apparently, there was because uh, Goldman wanted to focus on some stuff, but Richard Attenborough wanted let's show this episode too, let's illustrate this part of his life. Yeah, and obviously, when you take somebody from cradle to uh, being uh, roll out in a wheelchair to get his Oscar uh, mm. in '77, yeah, it's it's a lot for a movie. Yes, that's to a show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't cover like such a big life as Charlie Chaplin in just uh, you know whatever a hundred minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and so there was some difficulty between the producer and the director over what they wanted to focus on in the film. We didn't uh, no that director and screenwriter, but that uh -huh. you know this stuff that um, it's uh, how to say it, uh, the movie I think was uh, received with a lot of interest. Yes, there was a lot of expectation. And that couldn't uh, wasn't met on all levels. Right. Um, they waited years, I think, to get um, the uh, approvals to, to the permission yeah. uh, to do such a movie. And uh, there were a lot of um, I remember famous actors uh, who wanted the role, they didn't get it. Like I think famously, Robin Williams, uh, mm -hmm. Dustin Hoffman tried for the part. Yeah. And of course, this unknown guy, uh, Robert Downey, got it. Yeah. Uh, but um, so the movie is a mixture of sort of um, in-depth look at his work and obviously the uh, his life made of uh, you know the life problems with yeah. all the wives and all the scandals and all that. So, what was it about um, this movie, Chaplin, that grabbed your attention? Then I think, it, and that's one of his best sides, is that it it showed the inside of this very early days of cinema mm. through a very iconic uh, figure. Yes. and that prompted me, uh, I would say, the day after to search more in that direction and to um, read up and uh, bought a lot of books and started um, uh, kind of exploring this uh, century of cinema mm. um, uh, and getting a sense of what had been and what it is and sort of uh, putting in a, in a pattern, in a new perspective, all the knowledge that I had accumulated 
uh, till then just by going to the cinema by being an avid um, moviegoer so it's the subject of the film rather than the way in which the, f- the story was told so so i mean if you if let me say for example martin scorsese who we all know is this great yeah. director he talks about his uh, introduction to movies being that he sat in cinemas when he was a kid and so on and it struck him i think in a very very visual sense that he suddenly was captured by the uh, experience of of just the way in which movies work in a visual way, right? But you're you're talking about I think the you you were introduced to uh, your introduction to to movies was through this film which which taught you about the history of the the events right, in, right. in the life of movie making. Yeah. What about the so? Do you have a visual sort of um, thing as well? Are you well, interested in that? Because you, I mean, uh, I would have to watch this movie again, and I haven't in years to say if, uh, was there something visually very striking about that. Uh, but uh, talking of visuals, and uh, you, um, you mentioned Scorsese, and actually that was a big encounter for me because mm. all the. Probably a couple of years after that, uh, I saw Mean Streets. Oh wow! Uh, which was one of um, his first movies, and certainly the uh, the first one to be successful, mm. and which had already um, De Niro yeah. and uh, Harvey Keitel in it. And uh, visually, that there was something there where you you felt the director, mm-hmm. you felt that there was uh, some guiding hand, an intention mm. in each frame and in each movement of the camera, yeah. and and so that kind of made me aware of another type of uh, of doing movies or looking at movies yeah. which is was a more involved way than just the historical uh, knowledge of, of, of it yes and so Scorsese at that point uh, became a big uh, big figure for me and f- I followed I, I watched everything and then followed uh, with some disappointment his recent movies at that point and I was I'm so happy that uh, this year, when I watched uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, uh, it felt uh, you know that he was fully hundred uh, percent the guy that mesmerized me uh, in the early nineties with the, with Mean Streets. Yeah, well, I mean, me, yeah, means you saw Mean Streets in the nineties, yeah, but it was made that, in the that's seventy two. Yeah, that's seventy two. Good no, Fellas is the nineties one, and that's Good is nineteen ninety, stunning film. Yeah, that that one I, I, I saw probably around that time, and uh, then the others I saw in sync with their uh, you know premieres, like I remember Casino, yes, ninety five, and and all that. Uh, so it's um, he was definitely another uh, I- big uh, influence. Yeah. In S- sorry, I'm just thinking. This we're we're approaching the one hour mark, and uh, what normally happens at this point is if a podcast goes on longer than an hour, I might divide it into two. So this might be a good moment for me to just sort of take a. This this might be my edit point between right. part one and yeah. part two. You can we can say something of lesser value now and just. Well, we, yeah, I don't know what we could say that would be of lesser value because every word is is, is golden. Is, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would I would say perhaps what we can do is try and summarize what right. we've said. What have we? It's been a very fluid conversation. Let's put it that way. Um, I did actually write some notes. That's the sound of my notes yeah. there, Not where sound. I I had some ideas of things that I wanted to cover. Um, but we, as I said at the beginning of the episode, we hit the ground running. We just started talking and we moved in all sorts of different directions. But what are some of the main points that we, what are some of the topics that we've covered in this episode, Cornelia? Can you remember? 
that we don't know why the Monty Pythons are coming back. We don't know exactly, but there are hypotheses. I think it may be because of money. But yeah, yeah, I'm uh, leaning towards that. Yeah. That um, I have a very long name, and uh, now I can reveal that between the, the first name and family name, it's kind of t- 20 letters. You've got another name in the middle? Uh, I have a, I have a, yeah, yeah, I have a, but the, uh, even not counting that one. Cornelio Dragomirescu is already 20 letters. I, yeah. I can let you know that. Wow. Without counting. And I have a, a middle name, but I won't reveal that one. Okay, let's keep we, it. we don't have the time. Okay. Uh, and, and so that was one point. Uh, and then I kinda, we kind of moved into this. Uh, um, there was an interesting um, debate around uh, fatherhood and um, some... Yeah. Um, Reveals about um, uh, Luke and Darth Vader and also uh, about Liam Neeson. Yeah, that's right. uh, We started talking about uh, the fact that we knew each other from comedy and movies. And you said that I love films and I often talk about movies in my stand-up comedy shows. And, for example, Liam Neeson in the film Taken. And you, you... you attempted to explain yeah. or justify his the actions lack of sleep by saying it's yeah. lack of sleep lack due of to being a yeah. father and then you also used Darth Vader as an example of, of that yeah. and that maybe he turned to the dark side because he didn't sleep well sure and and then revealed scenes from the, the birth of my uh, child um, Alexander who, and we, I'll probably ask you to edit out because he might find this podcast uh, mm-hmm. years from now and I don't know if, if he needs to know that. Really? I, I'm going to think about it. Just let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Just let me know if you genuinely want to remove that from history. Uh, seriously. Uh, no, no, no. It's, uh, I, I'm not seriously considering that, but, uh, you know. It's y- you might want to add in some slightly more awesome version yeah. of it. We know we, we might uh, come back and re-record that and made him, him you know... <laughs> develop that <laughs> it'll be it'll be a bit obvious though because um if we re-record that it'll like the sound quality will be different so we'll be talking like this and then then yeah. at some point it'll just the sound quality will be different and then it'll be really obvious and your son will be a wait 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 they edited the tapes what what happened yeah. so that yeah that'll mess him up even more so no it stays in it stays in okay the kid stays in the yeah. picture um, what else? Uh, we we also went on to then talk about uh, uh, Romania and yeah. uh, the 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 moment when Romania uh, sort of the, the, uh, let's see communism fell and how that opened up the doors to a lot of Hollywood films and you right. talked about Independence Day having yeah, quite yeah. a big effect on you, yeah, yeah. particularly the speech from Independence M- mostly Day. Mostly because of people's reaction to it, not necessarily because of the movie, mm. uh, but the people being uh, completely taken over by it. Right. And that's a, a big moment. That then brought us into the sort of the history of your love of films, right. talking about the movie Chaplin and how that taught you about cinema's history. And then Scorsese's movies and how they taught you about the visual impact that a movie can have. And then here we are. Yeah. We, we've we've that's taken us to this point. What I'd like to do in the next part, Cornelio, is talk to you about your experiences of learning English. Right. Um, and you've got some interesting things to tell me about your experiences of learning English as a kid. And um, and then uh, also I want to come back to the subject of Romania because I think there are things that I'd like to ask you regarding stereotypes of, of Romania, um, things that people think they know about Romania, and also this issue of um, uh, 
migrant workers from Romania and your neighbouring country, Bulgaria, coming into Europe because Europe, uh, at the beginning of this year, opened its doors to workers from Romania and Bulgaria. And in the media and in politics, there was a lot of... uh, um, there are lots of people sort of um, with strong opinions on this subject. Right. The main opinion seeming to be from sort of right-wing politicians um, and, and newspaper editors saying things like, what's going to happen is there will be a flood of migrant workers from Romania and Bulgaria, and these people have such terrible working conditions in their countries that they're all going to flood the UK and, you know, European nations, and uh, they're going to steal our jobs, and it's the end of civilization as we know it. Yeah. So that's the criticism that was levelled at the the decision to let Romanians and Bulgarians come into Europe. And I'm going to talk to you about whether or not, or how much that is is bullshit, Right. Oh, this sounds great. Like a good plan for, for another um, episode. And it also basically what you're saying is, I'd like us to talk about more meaningful stuff. No, no, no. We can. And we, uh, as ever on Luke's English podcast, I like to try and mix the uh, meaningful and the meaningless. Yeah, yeah. I know. No, it's uh, just kidding. Uh, but uh, you know, it's like okay, people need to learn something from this. I think that uh, just the experience of, hopefully, the experience of just listening and and trying to stay engaged yeah. is is the learning process. That it's a, uh, it's a question of ac- the acquisition of language and also a question of training one's ears to uh, fluent English absolutely. as it's actually spoken, and also a question of considering um, what it means to be able to communicate in a, in an effective way in English, and also having you on the podcast. I, I hope is some sort of living evidence and reminder of the the fact that um, you know uh, English as a second language is you know valid in in the same way as English as a first language. That's that's I hope my point sure. that you're a living example of someone who's learnt English to a, a high standard um, as a second language. Yeah, and that 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 we can still talk uh, nonsense about films, and we can still talk in a in a uh, uh, nonsensical and uh, in a, a sensical, if that's a word, way, without it is now without being born speaking English. Absolutely, no people can take something uh, from this episode, and maybe uh, it's my hope people would think twice here uh, in the Western world before throwing their TV set of the window. Yeah. Because there might be some somewhere in the world, in Africa, we don't know, uh, a kid craving for that TV set. Yeah. So people just, you know, put it in a box and mail it <laughs> to somebody who needs it. I can't imagine a rock star, like, uh, in a hotel room. He's drunk, he's high, and he's got the groupies there, and he's like, oh, I'm just, I, I'm so it's so awesome to be alive, and what am I going to do? I throw, you know, he's, he's going to throw his TV set out the window in a moment of passion, and then he goes, no, wait, I'm going to package this, I'm going to send it by recorded delivery to Africa. Yeah, I don't I, think that a rock star is capable of doing no, that. I think that's the drummer, the drummer in the group. Yeah, he has time to think about all this. Mm-hmm. He would be the one. No, no, let's let's make a gesture here. <laughs> let's. The drummer is always the most uh, uh, irresponsible member of the but group. In our story, he's the responsible person. Okay, we're going. He f- brings on change. We're flipping the the convention here. Yeah. at Luke's English Podcast. Right. Okay. Ladies and gents, that's it for this episode, but we will be back with part two, which should be available on your computer or your device or wherever, in your ears, very soon. So stay tuned for that. But for this episode, 
uh, it's goodbye, and it's normal for me to go bye, 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 like that in a sort of uh, echoing, I don't know what, that's a sort of like, imagine I'm saying goodbye, and it's echoing, and I've got the thing going through a, uh, a, a sound effect unit. Right, which and it can't afford. Which I can't actually afford, yeah. which I have to do with my voice. Yeah. So that's what I do. Do you want to do you want to say goodbye, bye, bye with me? I'm going to try it, yeah. Okay, just, we might be out of sync, but this is why we have a second episode for Just Yeah, exactly, just, yeah. Collabor- just collaborate, just uh, improvise, you can... You you can do whatever you like and that's fine so ladies and gents thanks for listening to luke's english podcast and i'll speak to you again very very soon but for now it's goodbye thanks for listening to luke's english podcast for more information visit teacherluke.co.uk hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.